Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that um, it was the joy before your son Jesus that he was willing to die on the cross. I pray today that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, Father, feet that want to run with obedience. I pray that we will walk out of here full of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do ask the question, if an archaeologist came out and said that he has 100% proof that he found Jesus' bones, what would that do for your faith? And many people would be excited about that. Many Christians would say, hey, look, this proves that our faith is real. The archaeologist found Jesus' bones. Jesus is real. Wouldn't that be exciting? Well, no. (laughs) Because what we celebrate today is, of course, the death of Jesus, but we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. See, if an archaeologist found and proved that Jesus' bones were here, then this man is not who he said he was. This man was a liar. This man, at best, was um, someone who had a better following than Mother Teresa. But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus' bones are not here. In the words of Dwight Schrute, it would not be good if we found Jesus, or would it be good if we found Jesus' bones? And Dwight K. Schrute would say, false. (laughs) Any office fans in here? Okay. Paul paints a different picture for us. We shouldn't be excited about this idea of potentially finding Jesus' bones. And Paul shares a different story. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17 and 19, here's what he says. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So what Paul is saying is if Jesus did not raise from the grave, if Jesus' bones were found, your life is meaningless. Everything about your life is purposeless. What would be the reason to live? What would be the reason to be here? Our sins would not be forgiven. That would be really sad, wouldn't it? There would be no hope for the future. We would live a wasted life. And then here's what he says in verse 19. What's interesting is if, it, if, if we only have hope in Christ for this life, then we are of all people to be most pitied. Because he's saying, look, you're, you're living a certain way. You're living the, a certain way and sacrificing so many things for nothing. 
So we would be the people that, that live for nothing. But here's why we live a certain way. Here's why we honor our father and our mother. Here's why we don't steal and murder. It's because we understand that there's a life after this life. Amen? There's hope after this life to be reunited with loved ones and generations of people who have worshiped and honor our king. But we must investigate this idea of the resurrection a little bit more. Why is the resurrection so important for you and I today? Because what we often do is we often simply think of the resurrection simply as something that uh, proves that Jesus is who he was. But Paul shares something to the church in Philippians that will help us understand the importance of the resurrection for you and I. For you and I today, the resurrection is paramount. So Philippians 3, 4 through 9. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul is talking about works, right? He's talking about things that um, people are comparing to him. And he's like, look, I've done way more than you. I've, uh, and we're going to get to some of the things he's articulating. But he's done way more than anyone here that he's talking to. And he says, so look, I have, I have more reasons. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuted the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But, what, what, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he's saying, everything that I've done, I count that all a loss in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So that challenges us today, right? Do you count everything in your life a loss in comparison, in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord? Your retirement? your influence, your job, your career, reputation, your family? Do you count it all a loss? And then he continues, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So Paul is saying here he is willing to give up everything to know Christ. I wonder how many of us in here would feel that same way. So the resurrection, and this is what's important, the resurrection allows us to know Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are able to know him today. 
Isn't that good news? This is why the resurrection is important. So Paul continues in Philippians to say this. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and part, uh, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He's saying he wants to know the power of the resurrection. So the resurrection just didn't prove that Jesus was who he said he was. The resurrection has a power behind it that's important for you and I today to understand. Because when I look across the room, as I've shared um, for several weeks now, the person next to you doesn't really know who you are. Like, even the longest of marriages, they know each other more than the youngest of marriages. Even the best of friends, they still don't really know who you are. There's this inner person that's within you that you know that falls short. Can anyone testify to that? Now, it's not like when I say that, it's maybe some people in here are in some deep sins. I don't know. But it's, it's not that, look, it's like someone said, your wife comes to you after just having a baby. Do I look fat in the dress? No, you look beautiful, honey. You avoided the question, right? You have your own thoughts of what's going on. She doesn't know what you're really thinking. So you try to be as honest as possible. You avoid the question and you say, you're beautiful to me. Any husband's ever been there? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> There's this person inside of us that only God knows. That, that we get frustrated with dealing with. And what the resurrection does is the resurrection allows us to know Christ personally. To allow us to be free with him. Somehow to attain that power. So Paul's main desire here in Philippians is to know Christ. And I ask you today, not based upon your words, but based upon your life, what do your life's activities say that you desire the most? Do your life's activities say that you desire your personal success, or do your life's activities say that you desire Christ. Church attendance does not mean that you desire Christ the most. Amen? We have a two-hour service. Unless I'm feeling real good, then it might be two hours and 15 minutes, right? 52 times a year. So, you know, under however many, 100 hours, just say 100 hours, 110 hours, 105 hours, 106 hours. Under 100 hours of church, easy figuring, right? A year that we get to hang out and worship together. But how many hours are in a week? 
More than 100 hours, isn't there? So while we go to work, we get to represent Christ. While we go to school, we get to represent Christ. While we interact with our family, our life's activities can bring honor and glory to him. But we have to want to know him. So the central theme of the Bible is Christ dying and resurrecting so that you and I can know him. That's why he did that. Jesus went through that awful beating and persecution so that you and I could know him. Isn't that crazy? So that you today could know him personally. See, he didn't just die on the cross so that you could never talk to him and then one day you just become best friends. He died on the cross so that you could be best friends with him today. So the central theme of the Bible is that you would know him and that you would have eternal life with him. And Jeremiah shares this in chapter 9, verse 23 through 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast about their wisdom or the strong boast about their strength or the rich boast about their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord, to know me. Jesus today, because of the resurrection, wants to know you. Jeremiah is plain here. Knowing God is more important than wisdom. Knowing God is more important than strength. And knowing God is more important than riches. Essentially, he is saying, in life, nothing else matters unless you know Christ. And guess what? The resurrection allows you to know Christ today. Jesus shares about the importance of knowing him in the book of John, John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life. How many of you guys want eternal life? All of us participating, right? We all want eternal life. So, now this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true, uh, sorry, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is what? Knowing Jesus, knowing God, knowing the Holy Spirit. Without knowing him, you have no eternal life. Peter continues about knowing him. Second Peter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Knowledge, knowing, so as we know him, the resurrection allows us to know him. And because we know him, we get to have eternal life. Amen? 
So as we know God, he provides us everything we need for a godly life. The sins we have, the doubts, the fears, the addictions can all be gone when we simply know him. John makes the point. 1 John 5.20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. All throughout Scripture, Scripture is pointing us to this place to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. And it's because of, it's because of the cross, because of the resurrection that we can do that. Jesus said that He came so that we might know Him. And if Jesus didn't resurrect the grave, how could we know Him today? He wouldn't be who he said he was. And the main purpose of the Bible is to know him. So the question is, if the main theme of the Bible is to know him, how do we do that? How do we get to know Jesus today? Now, many people believe that if they just know facts about him, if they just have this idea of who he is, that they're a Christian. Many people identify a trigger word, right? Many people identify as Christians because they believe in God or a God. Uh, a lot of people get excited about all these athletes identifying with God. I want to give all glory to God. Well, who is your God, right? We don't identify with God. We identify with Jesus Christ, amen? So, how do we know him? And many of you have heard me share this before. Macy and I have had the opportunity to um, go watch the Cle Cleveland Cavs when LeBron James was on their team. So what we did is we, we went to a service. We went to their church. Right? We, went, we went to the stadium, we went to the church, we gave to the organization because we had the tickets, right? So money buys tickets, so we gave, so we went to the building, we gave to the church, we wore the apparel, and we witnessed and we know the name of LeBron James. But after the service, because I'm undignified, or af after the service, look at me. <laughs> after the game, I'm undignified, right? I'm like, Macy, let's just try to go backstage. I mean, we gave to the organization. <laughs> I'm wearing the appropriate attire, right? We're here at the organization, and we know who LeBron James is. So let's just go backstage because, hey, look, I know who he is, and I'm following everything that's supposed to take place. Let, let's just go to the locker room, dap it up, hang out with him. You think that that worked? Just because I know LeBron James, just because I 
gave to their team, just because I went to their temple, doesn't mean that LeBron James knows me. Now, if LeBron James knew who I was, guess where I would be invited? Backstage. Hang out with them. See, the fact of the matter is there's many people who believe that they know God because they've attended a church service, because they say by their words that they're a Christian, that they've given and tithe to a church. And one of my favorite verses in Matthew 7, verse 21, is many people will come to me on that day and say, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not deliver demons? And what does Jesus say? Plainly I tell you, I never what? Knew you. I never knew you. So it's not what you know, and I'll even say this, it's not even who you know, but it's who knows you. And the resurrection allows you and Christ to know each other. So how do we get to know him? It's not by facts. It's not by just knowing some facts. It's not about being able to butcher John 3.16, right? It's not, it's not just being able to know the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. See, there's many facts that we know about, and we're going we're gonna to stick with LeBron James for a minute. There's many facts that we know about LeBron James. Anyone in here wondering who LeBron James is? All right. That's why he was brought up. So here's some facts about LeBron James. He was born in Ohio. He was drafted first overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He has played on three NBA teams. He has won four championships. He has won four MVPs. He has won two Olympic gold medals. He is now the all-time points leader in the NBA. So we know these facts about him. And the last fact that I want to present is we know all of these about him and all of his stats, but the last fact is, is he's still not better than Michael. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Joking aside, we can know things about someone, but that doesn't mean that we know them. Amen? Amen? We can know things about people, but it doesn't mean that we know them. Knowing God isn't about knowing things about him. It's about building a lifelong relationship with him based upon faith and trust and obedience and endurance and conversations and joys and sorrows. A life with Christ means that you share everything that you have with him. That you don't protect anything from him. That you give him everything that you are. But how do we get to the place of interacting with him in th that manner? First, we put our faith in him. We believe he is the Son of God. We believe he, is, he has resurrected the grave. 
we repent of our sins. We understand we need made new. We need made new, amen? Second, we spend time with him. Simply put, we just talk to him. Remember walking to school? I felt like the walk to school, I know what my parents were talking about and other of my friends' parents when they talked about these blizzards of whatever they had to walk through carrying buckets 37 miles. I know what they're talking about because my walk to school used to feel like it was 87 miles to get there. But now I'm like, man, it was a quarter of a mile and I complained about it. So I know what you, I, I'm getting to the age where I know the tricks. All right. So it felt like a long journey. But I remember specifically in junior high when my parents made me walk to school a quarter of a mile. And it was cold and it was raining and there were all kinds of loose dogs and <laughs> drug dealers and ga gangs that I had to hide from. So I remember walking to school and I remember very specifically exactly where I was. I, re I remember saying, the pastor said that I needed to have a relationship with you, God. So the only thing I know what to do is to tell you what I'm doing. Because my parents would ask me when I'd get home, how was school? How was practice? What'd you get into? And I'm like, well, I guess if I want to have a relationship with you, I just need to talk to you about my day. And sometimes it feels dumb, right? Because you're like, God, you already know what I did today. So why would I tell you what I've already done? Well, Scripture also says he knows what you're going to pray before you even pray it. So why would you even pray? Well, you pray because he asks us to pray. So I was walking to school, and I said, God, how's your morning today? What are you up to? I'm on my way to school, and I didn't do my homework, and I'm probably going to cheat later. So I'm just asking for pre-forgiveness. Because as much as you tell me not to cheat, I will be taking that girl's homework and copying every bit of it at lunch. So if you could just make me a little bit smarter, that would be beneficial. And I just began to cultivate, right? So, um, so now that I don't have to study or go to school, I don't have to cheat anymore. Look how sanctification works. <laughs> I don't cheat anymore. Praise God. But I was just having a relationship with him, asking him how his day is going. It wasn't just about facts. It was about spending time with him in prayer, in the good times, in the bad times. I remember having some athletic success, and while having this athletic success, I would try to tell him, God, this is for you. I remember having athletic failures and saying, God, this is for you. Simply having a relationship with him. Third, so we first put our faith in him. We second, spend time in relationship with him through prayer. And then third, we obey and follow him. So simply put, what do we do? We just do what scripture says. Right? We do what scripture says. So we're going to continue on. But the second part of Paul's desire, so the first part was um, the resurrection allows us to know Christ. But the second part that Paul is emphasizing here is knowing the power of the resurrection. 
We need to know the power of the resurrection. Some of us are short with our kids or short with our spouse or that inner person that we're just frustrated with. So it's paramount to know the power of the resurrection today. See, because the power of the resurrection can forgive our sins. It has the power to forgive our sins. It has the power to conquer our sins. It gives us the power to partner with God. And it gives us the power to be transformed into his likeness. So how does knowing the resurrection give us the power to have sins forgiven? So the power of sins to be forgiven, um, we have to first recognize that sin has a grip on us. And without God, we are slaves to sin. Yet because of Christ and through Christ's death and resurrection, we are freed from the power of sin. Because of the resurrection today, you are free from the power of the sin that you just committed. The last sin that you committed, you're actually free from its power. As much as the enemy convinces you that you had to do it, or there was no other option, or this will be the last time, you didn't have to do it. So Paul shares with us in Romans 4.25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Christ died as the necessary sacrifice for our sins, but his resurrection is key. As Paul says, he was raised to life for our justification. When Jesus died, God laid him, laid on him the iniquity of all of us. The punishment that all of us deserved was laid on Christ. Thus, when we are justified, or we are justified because the price was paid for our sins when he rose from the grave. So everything was paid when Jesus rose from the grave. Therefore, the resurrection proves that our sins are justified. And what that means is justification is just as if, if we never sinned. So the resurrection gives us the power to conquer sin. See, the power of the resurrection doesn't stop with forgiving our sin. We can actually conquer it. Ephesians 4, 24. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a new self because of the resurrection. When you put your faith in Christ and you live for him, there is a new person. So I wonder how many new people we have in here today. 2 Corinthians confirms this, verse, uh, or chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So when we accepted Christ, you became I became a completely new creation. We became born again. And many people talk about being born a certain way. Anyone ever had one of those conversations with a family member or you hear the agendas within the world? I was born this way. Well, I don't care how you were born. What really matters is that you would be born again, amen? 
So whatever you identify as, be born again. And when you're born again, it has the power to completely transform you. So in Christ, we are new creations. He lives inside of us. We are completely new. You are completely new today. Completely new. We don't think that way often. See, when we get in those moments of temptation because Jerry back there just passed four cars and swerved in front of us and we want to give him the business and tell him how silly he is, we don't think about being made new. See, the new self is to become more like Christ, righteous, holy, pure, patient, kind, meek, caring, compassionate, empathetic. There was this experiment years ago with dogs. In this experiment, there was the scientist that would ring a bell, and right after he rang the bell, he would feed all the dogs. Any of you guys ever heard about this experiment? Yep. Then the second month after training them every day, they started to ring the bell. And after they rang the bell, the dogs would come in and they'd be like, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Like the bell is rang. That means you're going to feed me. But what ended up happening is the dogs would begin to have saliva and they would anticipate the food. And see, this is our sin nature. What ends up happening is we all get stuck in habits and addictions like these dogs. But the resurrection gives us the power to conquer that addiction, to conquer that sin. But the issue is this, is many people deny the power of the cross and the resurrection. One author put it this way, imagine yourself as a prisoner of war. Satan is your captor. He has a gun. You must do whatever he says because he is in control. Now God intervenes. You are saved by the blood of Jesus. Does Satan go away? No, but you have the gun. You've got the gun. You no longer have to obey him. And that's what happened, right? Satan had his rule in your life. Sin conquered you. Sin defeated you. You were on, not joking, the highway to hell. The wide path that leads to destruction, that leads to hell. That's where you were headed. But Jesus was willing to die on the cross for you. And what he did is he took the weapon of sin and death away from Satan. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you my son. You now have the weapon above all weapons that can defeat everything. And he gave you the weapon. So you have everything that you've ever needed to overcome fear, anxiety, um, worry, sin, Lies, alcoholism, fornication, addictions, whatever it is, whatever your gossip, whatever your addiction is, you have everything that you need because of Jesus today. Amen? Can we agree to that? 
But the issue, the issue isn't that we don't have everything that we need. The issue is that we deny it. The issue is that we have the loaded gun and we deny it. We deny its power. So what will Satan do? He will convince you that the gun is not loaded. That it's really, that it really has no power. He will try to convince you to put the gun down. To give up using it. And to fight him more fairly in a hand-to-hand combat. He will try to convince you that it is in your best interest to obey him. You have the proverbial gun today. Because the gun is Jesus as a new creation. You having Jesus as a new creation because of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is in you today. You need it, and you need to use it, and you need to know it. You have the power. Quit denying it. And as we begin to wrap up, the resurrection gives us the power to partner with God. Following Jesus isn't just life insurance. That is a narrow perspective. If all that we're doing is following Jesus is for hopes of eternity, I would say that we're missing out on how good of a father he is. The power to partner with him is be, comes out of knowing him. God has a plan for us to partner with him. He wants us to be a solution to the issues here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God could choose to minister to everyone here on earth by himself. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. We're not that important. I'm not that important. And as much as we think that we're that important, we're just deceived in thinking that he needs us. Any amens on that one? What's great about this, though, is in our weakness, he is strong. The resurrection gives us the power to be used by him, to make an impact in reconciling his kingdom. It's scary to be used by him. But if we don't deny the power, he will do it. He will use us in our workplaces, in our schools, in our churches, in our families. And finally, the resurrection gives us the power to be transformed into his likeness. The resurrection conforms us into his likeness. So we are forgiven of sins. We are given the ability not to sin. We are called ambassadors. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplated the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
This means everything that you need. Sorry, this means that everything that you know needs changed in your life. So your habits, your sins, your characteristics, everything. All of these things are being transformed into his likeness because of the resurrection. So Paul in Philippians stated that he wanted to know the power of the resurrection. And I ask you today, what do you want to know? What do you want in your life? Do you want money? Do you want fame? Do you want to be right? Do you want to have power? So all you want is a satisfying job or excitement. So all you want is a perfect marriage or followers on social media or just to be able to retire. All of these things are worthless if we don't know Christ. And it was impossible to know Christ unless he resurrected the grave. Paul wanted to deeply know God. Paul wanted to deeply know Christ. He knew without deeply knowing Christ, through the resurrection, life is purposeless. So today, may we celebrate the defeated grave. You can have hope today. Will you have hope today? Your life is not damned to hell. You're, you don't have to be hopeless, but we get to be hopeful today. We can smile today. We can be happy today. We can enjoy today in spite of everything that's happening in the world that is exponentially increasing quicker and quicker against the church. Here's a question I ask, uh, not an original thought, but why is it that every, all these Hollywood people come out against Christianity? Why is it that the world only seems to be offended with Christianity? Why is it that it's racism when it's against other religions, but when something happens against Christians, it's not? Why is it that we see a world that seems to be propagated, propagating and encouraging everything that is anti-Christian? Because the enemy knows that Jesus is the only way, that Christianity is the only hope for mankind. And we see these things getting crazier and crazier even, um, I think this is okay. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> ask me later. <laughs> Just ask me later. Yeah. Um, so we just see the world getting crazier and crazier, right? We need to deeply know Christ through this world. We need to know the resurrection power. And as a church, we need to stand on the resurrection. You don't have to sin today. I'm not saying you're gonna be perfect, but you don't have to. The power is in you. So today we celebrate the defeated grave because our sins were forgiven. 
because Jesus conquered our sin, because we get to partner with him in furthering his agenda with the world, and because we get to be transformed into his likeness. And I long for the day when we get to be made whole in heaven. And there's some of us in here today that are wrestling with sins, fighting. Most of what people think about each day, or not most people, but there's some people in here today that the first thing you think about is how not to commit the certain sin in your life. And there's a coming, there's coming a day where you'll be free from that. Amen? You'll be free from the thought of sin. You'll be free from the thought of death. You'll be made completely holy and perfect for the rest of eternity. So we need to celebrate that and be thankful for that, that Jesus was willing to die, and then he defeated the grave. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would not deny the power of the resurrection. I ask that um, you would help us understand that we have the strongest weapon in the world, and that is you. So when times of temptation or frustration come, may, um, may we utilize what you've given us. I pray that you would bless the family meals today, Father. Bless this time as we celebrate. Keep us safe from the schemes of the enemy. I pray that you would give us a desire just to open up your word today. If it's one sentence or one paragraph, in Jesus' name, amen.